0: You touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change.
1: All right, beloved listeners, welcome back to Octavius Parables, hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown. We are. Um, moving into chapter 22 today, chapter 22. And I don't have a lot of announcements this time. The one thing I wanted to do was introduce two more members of the Octavia Butler tarot team. Um, One is Alta Star. Alta Star has worn many, many hats, um, is a teacher of somatics, black somatics through the Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity Project, um, as a teacher for semantics with generative semantics, as someone who has a long legacy of movement work, uh, funding work, thinking work, philosophizing. She's also an incredible poet. But um, when it comes to this project, Alta is a super oracle. <laughs> so she is like the head oracle in charge Um, she owns i think 80 tarot decks or more and does these incredible readings uh life tarot readings for people where you know she she lets you know the card of your life and all the influencing cards and the timing of things and the cycles that you're going to go through and it's really incredible prophecy that she does so alta is our chief oracle And then another member of our team I wanted y'all to know about is Lottie Spadey. Lottie Spadey, who I first learned about through a project called In Our Own Backyards here in Detroit. Lottie is like a black of all trades um, who really has taught herself to do almost everything you can imagine needed for survival. Um, but one of her huge gifts in addition, like she's a communications maven and has like run programs for young people doing communications forever. But she's also an incredible herbalist and teacher of herbs. And so she is the herbalist of our deck and she mm. has gone through and identified the herbal medicine that goes with every single card in the deck, Ooh. Um, which felt really important to us. You know, if we're doing this in the spirit of Octavia And in the spirit of what her wisdom was, she was someone who was scholarly about herbs and plants and learning the plants of an area that you were going to try to survive in. And so it felt important to us to be like, yeah, this is an opportunity as people are, you know, we're envisioning this as a deck that people will be able to carry around in whatever their go bag is. Mm -hmm. And that amongst other kinds of wisdom, it'll also include this is the plant medicine to be looking for. And um, for each day, so
0: incredible. So
1: those are our peeps. Um, any announcements from you, my love? I don't have
0: any announcements. I'm just really like wishing it was a musical tarot deck because I've re- <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs> Hey, you know what? We can totally make that happen. Let's talk about it. Okay. Like, we <laughs> I don't see why we wouldn't release um an album, a tarot album. Re- tarot tarot um, That's people could come to. I'm so into this project. Yeah, let's do it. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we will figure that out. We're
0: gonna figure it out.
1: Um, We're gonna. If anyone could create a musical tarot, it's it's you. So yes, Um, yay. So hello, darling. We're here in chapter 22, which for whatever reason I always get excited because this is September 9th, which means it would be three days after my birthday in 2027. (laughs) There you go. I'm like, we are in Virgo season for this chapter, but can you give us a little Earth Seed intro yes. to where we are?
0: As wind, as water, as fire, as life, God is both creative and destructive, demanding and yielding, sculptor and clay. God is infinite potential. God is change. Earthseed, yes, Earthseed, the books of the living thursday september 9
1: 2027 i can't read those words or hear those words anymore without hearing you all as been, as well. <laughs> like um, god has changed, god has changed.
0: change changes you the only truth is change. change
1: so this episode starts rough uh do you want to tell us a little bit about what's happening yeah. for them along the road yeah
0: and this is rough so uh, people um who who have trigger warning. Yeah, trigger mm-hmm. warning on this with um children and, and and really bad situations i get i'm about to talk about that now and uh You know, so they they have a rough week. They are they're weary. It's frightening, nerve wracking. They've been walking and they they reached and passed through the city of Sacramento without any real trouble. But they make uh, they continue to make decisions that push them to think consciously about not not only what they're seeing, but what they might think others would be doing in response to where they are. So they always are mm. they're always having kind of a you know 360 degree experience as they're moving. And and then in terms of time, they're always thinking about what they have just passed or what they might have experienced and how that might affect where they are. Here they just they meet the they're on the I5 and they just start to discover horrible things. They see more human bones there. They see they see skulls they see everything and bancoli they see more trucks and bancoli reasons that people are getting hit by the trucks and they're just being left there because nobody's gonna stop and and see what they've done and so it's it's you they experience humans as roadkill and that is Mm. just a frightening reality and uh they they camp out and they Find a dog that's carrying a, a human, like it feels fresh human um, arm. They, uh, yeah, child arm. Yep, and yeah. they find a group of kids that are uh, sitting around a fire, and they're basically roasting, um, roasting a human leg. And yeah, this is like full stop. I remember reading this. Um, <laughs> and not just yeah like just being so horrified yeah. and um just all of the things you know and they, mm-hmm. and, and of course she mm-hmm. she's like they're about the age of her brothers 12, 13, 14 year old, three boys and a girl and the girl was pregnant and looked like she would be giving birth at any time and and they basically uh sitting around and, and eating this this uh this leg that they're mm-hmm. roasting and um lauren and harry and zara are are near the front of the pack and they decide to to turn the group a different way because it's just it's just something nobody ever needs to see yep and i think that that you know i try to always forget about that like i have read it yeah, and then I'm like, I
1: don't. Every time I read it, I'm like, mm. I'm not
0: going to think about this anymore. Yeah, you know that that is just that is one of those things where I think I can't imagine it. Like, and I can imagine many terrible things. I'm like, I'm not going to imagine that. I I feel even my imagining it is a contribution to it, and I don't want to be a contribution yes. to it. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: And you know. Children all over the world have been put in in situations they should not be. There's lots of of children enslaved around the planet. There's lots of children inside of family structures being made to be older than they are. Mm -hmm. This country is a lie when it comes to children. As we know, we still have children in concentration camps in the United States of America, We have stolen, we have Star Country has stolen children from their parents and has done it in a way that it will be very hard to locate the parents and the children for anybody who cares um, to bring them back together. This is happening with, with children on the planet. I feel like Octavia really wants us to have a full spectrum understanding of the consequences of us not being adaptable to situations that we're in and making our own systemic change that would then breed more change and breed more change. Yeah. And I, yep. I was like,
1: why she put this here? <laughs> and, right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's so powerful, you know, it's such a powerful thing to be with like, how bad is it? And, and what, what is still horrifying and how do we navigate what is horrifying? And there's this quote in it where she says that you keep up a steady pace, keep your eyes open and try to look both too intimidating to bother and invisible. Neat trick. Bancole says cities have been like that for a long time. And I always think about that, that it's like, you know, to make it literal, right. Mm-hmm. To be eating each other literally is somehow more horrifying than what happens all the time, yeah. which is it's not literal, but it is happening, right? Yeah. That we are surviving off of each other's miraculous mm-hmm. lives. Um, the labor, the the energy that we are wearing each other, you know, some people get lived down, worn down, worked down, um, eaten alive. And yeah. so- you know, I think there's there's the literal part which is horrific and, and also happening and then there's the part that's like it's not literal but, but the way that our society is constructed is that we eat each other alive. So, yeah. I think it's it's brilliant and rigorous of her to take us there. Yeah,
0: it is. It is and it definitely is is the it is the thing where you want to turn your head and there's this gentleness in the group like being uh, Lauren, Harry, and Sarah being, um, able to absorb that reality because, you know, mm-hmm. how many of us can see horrible things and not shout out loud that what they're looking at and, yes. and not, and not bring everybody to it, like, not be like, oh my God, you know, and it's, yeah. it, it yep. takes a certain amount of skill to understand, like, this is real and it might not be helpful for everybody. Like what, how is that going to support us taking our necessary steps since we have, yeah. we're all very tired and there's no place else to go and we have to keep moving. Um, yeah. I'm an appreciation of the multiple things that happen with this particular scene and that yeah. there's a, a pregnant child who's going to give birth inside of these circumstances. It's also her, extending yeah. extending it into another generation of, of people. So yes, it's 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 there. and mm-hmm. and they're um, making their decisions. Lauren actually thinks about how they passed through this community. Um, they, they weren't bothered. They saw like beautiful things and they passed through some abandoned houses and farms. they found water. There was food and mm-hmm. there was more space. And she's trying to understand why people were eating each other there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, the whole thing.
1: Right. Because it's like she's witnessing a community. There's like you have enough, but there's not care. There's not enough care, that somehow they can't actually connect with the resources. So. Yeah.
0: What's the age that... You know, people think they need to care for someone. And what's the age when they're like, you're on your own? And, you know, like, because right. uh, that's what I thought. I was like, did are this is this a group of kids that lost their families? Um, right. Is this a group of kids that was carried up the highway and, and their parents died? And because that area was nice, they decided to stay around there, but they don't know how to, you know, they ain't been raised. So they don't. Exactly. They don't know what to do. So that's that's a, a big thing in that chapter, and yeah. the majority of the chapter is Ben Coley and Lauren having you know having the, mm-hmm. having the business, having the like the the conversation that they need to have to see what their relation where their relationship can go. Yeah. Which I love because, and I want to mm-hmm. get into this with you because <laughs> because it's like. All of this stuff is happening. Like she's done all these yep. things. <laughs> and you know what? We actually got to talk about our relationship. <laughs> like we're yes, going to process exactly. who we are and what we're going to do. And what we're doing. And so I mm-hmm. would love for you to, to lead us forward in this because.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I love this chapter, <laughs> <laughs> this part of it, right? It's like, I'm like, we move into this part where, you know, I think of this as them showing what they have, laying their cards on the table, right? Where it's like, and it all feels very lesbianic Mm to me. (laughs) It's like, we were drawn to each other. There is an undeniable connection. And so let's now tell each other what we have. And Bancole is, um, he reveals that he has 300 acres of land on the hills, uh, on the coast near Cape Mendocino. And so he's like, Lauren, let's leave this group of people and come with me. And my sister's there. Her family's there. And you, basically, I want you to come live with me and be my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And Lauren, you know, she's hesitant because uh, she's like, your sister is going, is not going to approve of my age. Yeah. And that's really at the front of, of her resistance, which I always think it's really interesting that that's kind of the first thing that comes yes she's like well, you know yeah. like it's fine out here when we're in the wild um but your family uh, but Bancoli is like i don't mind that you know like well, i'll i'll make that i'll figure that out but the land is secluded it has dependable wells for water and in this way it's like the the it's such a huge offering that he's sharing this with her mm-hmm. it's such a huge offering of trust and so she responds to his trust first by speaking about her seed Mm -hmm. Right. that she's like, I'm so serious about Earthseed and you can help me create the first community, something that is purposeful, something that is constructive in this world that is falling apart. But I think where she drops into meeting him at the level of trust is that she tells him about her hyper empathy syndrome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in both ways now, you know, he's like, now you could, you know, you could harm me and try to get this land and she's like, now you know how I can be harmed. <laughs> you know, like I have this syndrome. Um, and they're both ba- basically saying like, can you accept all of that? All of that, the things I am. And you know, Bancole, he's like, I've read about this. I'm intrigued. And Lauren is thinking like, I want you to know that I may not be able to protect you if you get hurt Mm -hmm. because I would be hurting as well. And so there's scenario planning, right? And he's like, look, I'm a doctor. Like, I think we can figure this out. I can teach you to use my pain medications. So they're really in a sophisticated negotiation of what's possible for them in the realm of love. And what I always appreciate here is, again, they're both being super honest about what they want. They're both being super honest about what they have to bring to the table, mm-hmm. and they're both being super honest about what actually matters to them in terms of how this all goes down. And those, it feels like such a clear set of building blocks for when you have that feeling of like, I don't want this person to get away. I don't want them to ever not be here with me. That feels like they're, they're moving to that territory with a lot of ease and with a lot of erotic energy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's a very like erotic, connected soulmate negotiation. And I always love that Octavia puts us in this predicament. Yes. Right? That she's like, you know, these people are surviving on the road. This isn't, you know, swiping on Tinder and trying to find someone who matches all <laughs> your things. These are the like, <laughs> you know, like this is like we are meeting in the wild as real human beings. And we are attuned to what feels like it draws us together. We are attuned to the fact that we are survivors. And the odds of finding a soulmate don't seem high in these conditions. But mm. they, do, they do land with each other in the soulmateship here. And it's very tender. It's very thoughtful. And it's very beautiful.
0: Hey. Yeah They are very strong, you know. I love that. You oh know, yeah. When she's saying like, for me, there's basically no separation between my my living and Earthseed. And yes, he kind of gets a, you know, the chuckle out of it, and she's like, "You don't have to agree, but don't laugh at me." You know. That's right. And <laughs> that's right. You know, he pisses her off a little bit, and she has to she yes. has to get her you know her balance and calm down and, and basically be like, you know, it's not a game. Like, you know, and he's yeah. asking all of these, you know, well, how many, how many people you think you can get and how many this and that? And, you know, but that's not what it is for mm. her. Like, exactly. um, it's a, it's a big deal, but she needs him to like really understand it, mm-hmm. you know? And he says you need me to take you and all your friends off the street so you can start a church.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes, you know, actually. That or nothing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Oh like, yes, my I'm god. Holding the line. That's what I did mean.
0: This is yeah, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he can't picture it. Da-da-da-da-da. It's like uh, you know, but we he says Bring your church, bring your congregation. I doubt they care any more about the stars than I do, but bring them.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes.
0: And I like them and there's room for them. Mm -hmm. And that is like kind of a cool thing because so many times, you know, we feel like in order to have relationship, we need to have like a thousand percent agreement on everything. Yep. (laughs) And he's. He he does, you know, one of my favorite things is to talk about is an under, you know, the under something. And so the under of that situation would be like, actually like these people. Yes. You know, and so maybe I don't understand everything and maybe I don't agree. And maybe I think it's whatever, simplistic, but actually like these people. Yeah. And I like how we've been moving together and there's room. So, yes, bring them and then try to start what you want to try. And yeah. I can support that, and yeah. So, yeah.
1: And it feels, you know, I always think this feels like the kind of wisdom that comes with time, that comes with age, is that recognition mm-hmm. that, like, oh, the idea is not to find someone who's a hundred percent in agreement with me already, but to find someone who can respectfully be different from me, and where yeah. we can enjoy the difference, delight in the difference, stay honest in the difference. So I really appreciate the model of love um, that they represent and the negotiation of it. Um, and, you know, it's no small thing. Like, as far as we know, this is saving their lives, right? She yes. is negotiating, like, we're learning something about Lauren here, which is even, even for love, I will not leave my people. Yes. Uh, these are my people, and I'm I'm responsible for them. And I really, it always strikes me, you know, that I'm just like, I, I trust her leadership because of that move.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love that. And I think, you know, there are these heroines and he- heroes or, you know, super extraordinary people who are leaders in the canon of, you know, action movies mm-hmm. and things like that. And there is that, that person that's like, I'm going to, you know, do everything for everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to, going to save you. I'm going to take the this and that. And one thing about Lauren is she means to survive. Yes. Right. So it isn't so much that she means to be that person to jump in front of all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's that she means to survive and she's put herself and being inclusive of these other humans who each have their own individual um, practice and skill set that is yes. necessary. Yep. She is seeing that together we actually can make, uh, can survive and become adaptable to change together. Yes. And now that they've practiced it for these, you know, few miles up the highway, Yep, it gives her even, um, uh, it's, it's sustainable. Yes. That is sustainable. Yes. Nothing else is sustainable. And within that sustainable sense, there's a constant change. Oh, here's some people we say from a house. Yep. Oh, you know, here's a little boy, like here's, mm, yep. here's this. And here's that, you know, and she, uh, Octavia intentionally shows us how all of the, um, nutrients of that group show up and support that sometimes it's the fact that there's these two babies inside of a community of people who really don't want nobody else to come inside of them but the two babies lets the people know that Mm -hmm. hey we (laughs) don't need to attack these people right now because they caring for children Mm -hmm. and they just trying to move along Mm -hmm. um so it it, it's it's tremendous it's it's tremendous hard work hard work
1: It's tremendous. And, you know, it really, I mean, when I think about the work that you and I have been up to for the past few years of creating different variations on earth, seed circles and communities, that feeling is real. You know, that feeling of finding people who just want to take care of each other and survive and learn about survival and learn about care how it feels when you land into those circles. Um, for me, I find it irresistible. And I it it makes me trust the ideas of Earthseed even more, right? That mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, like you don't have to preach too much about this. You don't have to pontificate about it. You don't have to convince people. Pray working. Yeah. You know, just let your work show your faith. Let your work show what you believe in and, and, you know, negotiate from a place of believing and trusting the ideas that you hold. And we see that so beautifully in her. So I have questions, uh, for this, this chapter, the first are relating to the, the way it starts off and how horrifying it is. Um, I think so, mon- so much of our current society has desensitized us to what is truly horrific. And, and I think it confuses us. It makes it hard to mm-hmm. know, like, oh, how do we actually engage in turning to face what is? And so the question I have is, what can still horrify you? What can still horrify you? And can you actually be horrified by the things that are still horrific? And mm-hmm. what I find, you know, especially as we move deeper into the best practice of saying the names of those who are killed by the police or uplifting the news about the horrific things that happen at the border is to me, it feels important that we stay intact with the part of ourselves that can be horrified.
0: Mm hmm.
1: And the related question, this is how do we know the value of a human life? You know, Mm. how do we know the value of a human life? And what is the value of a human life, you know, if if we can be roadkill, if we can be food? And then, you know, because I am not necessarily a human species, you know, I don't believe that humans are necessarily the dominant or most important species that Earth has (laughs) living on it or has produced. You know, so I'm like, oh how what would it look like to actually bring the the value that we hold for humans to all other life?
0: Mm.
1: Right? Like how would we shape our transportation system if no roadkill felt acceptable to us? Mm-hmm. Right? Of any species. And uh, how would we shape our, our transportation? How would we how would we function if the entire world was like, oh we don't eat what lives. We don't eat, you know, things with a heartbeat. We don't eat things that raise children or whatever it is, <laughs> you know? Um, but mm-hmm. how do we know the value of human life? How does that relate to the way we value all life? And the last in this set is what is our responsibility to children? Mm. So I'm always uncomfortable with this chapter because they see these children and then they keep going, you know, and there's not a way to to take care of all the children, And I have been to places where I was like, oh, I want to take care of all these children. (laughs) And I have felt the limitation. Um, But I do feel like how do we move to a place where society is really organized around our children and that anytime we see children who aren't getting their needs met, that we see it as all of our responsibility to intervene. So that's the first set of questions. Anything you want to throw in there?
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, with this, uh, with Lauren and, uh, the kids, I feel that Lauren's experience with Keith really is what makes her Mm -hmm. turn away, Mm -hmm. you know, that she, that there is a level of where she just is like, I'm not going to change this situation. That's right. There's not enough I can do to, to do anything around this and to see, um, the ages of the kids and to understand that the physicality of the kids, that yeah. there's no way that she could bring them in. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. And this, this set of questions reminds me of an experience I had, um, with, uh, you know, Theaster Gates did, um, the black artist retreat, yeah. which is usually like a, a, a small retreat, but, uh, last year they did it at Park Avenue Armory in New York. It's never been in New York before. Oh, wow. And it was a really profound experience to have. But one thing I will never forget is that Carrie Mae Weems, and mm-hmm. if y'all don't know who Carrie Mae Weems is, get your life together. Get to, get to Googling <laughs> right now. <Yeah. laughs> like you said, get your, get life, your together.
1: life together. How do you not know Carrie get- Weems?
0: <laughs> You know, a lot of people are going to be like, who? Carrie Mae yes. But, you know, get, get involved. Um, but Carrie Mae Weems um, made a couple of offerings. But one was she, it was about 500 of us. She printed out witness witnesses' statements to the killing of Michael Brown. Mm. And that part where you're like, you know, desensitized or what is something worth or or the way I think about it is how are events that are um, that you're horrified by start a level of transportation where you can't actually feel the original original horror. You, yes. you it becomes something else. I kind of memorializes and, it, and it, it's a you know. So she had all of us read together over and over again these mm. witness statements, and it was I think it was three. Um, and it wasn't little. It wasn't like, oh, I saw him, he was running. Next, I saw that they, they each had kind of a big paragraph yeah. of something to say. And I was sharing paper with somebody. So both of us were leaning in and mm-hmm. reading it together. And there was something in that practice that kind of cut, mm-hmm. cut the, cut the whatever I had built to, to deal with that particular situation and not just that particular situation, but to understand the complexity yeah. of it. And and as we're reading, the first time you read it, you're kind of like, I'm doing what Carrie Mae Weems told me to do, right. you know? So right. I'm going to be a good artist and as participate
1: but, yeah.
0: But as one should. But by the fourth or fifth time, the structure you created fades away and you start to get into that day. Yes, and you start to um, you start to have access to all all of these different like almost like each witness's like eyes you can look through. Yes, and it's a time it was travel really,
1: exercise. It's
0: a a time yes. travel exercise, and we read it a lot.
1: Yeah, like
0: it wasn't like four times, five times. You and you didn't know when we would stop reading it. Yes, so at some point you were in a kind of a a meditation with effort is all I can think of it. Yeah. But that was really helpful because an anniversary had passed, and all these articles had come up, kind of talking about Michael and kind of like the felt trying to reshape the narrative of the situation yeah. and all of the undone that has still undone, and all of the done that has still triumphed. And this made this made you really become aware of like what actually happened and how much how much when you see something and you're like that is wrong
1: yeah
0: how much th- this particular society tries to make you not see what you know is true that's right mm-hmm. and and how much the narratives try to become one dimensional when they're multi-dimensional and how much the the system itself is so not designed to care for for people to be a fair system that the system is so exploitive that there's mm. many people um, in positions of power and many people who support positions of power who don't have access to care in their hearts at all. Uh-huh. And it's still, you know, and so I'm just like reading that, you realize that people who, had access to care, were able to like say something about what they saw that was actually what they saw. That's
1: right, that's right, and
0: not like make up a whole other narrative that you know he was seven feet tall, he was this, all exactly. kinds of things. They just could say what they saw, um, and I so that was interesting to me, and that, and that, that feels that's like a that really
1: necessary think. practice to be in, and. Like I find, I find myself, I'm really inspired by that. And I always am, you know, Carrie Mae Williams is an inspirational thinker and and creator in that way. Um, But I'm also, you know, I think about like, how do we stay in touch with our humanity and our empathy and our grief? Because so many of those narratives are designed to push us from grief over to judgment or from grief over to saying it's okay. Right. Like that to me is what neoliberalism is all about is to be like, Oh, psh, don't worry about that. It's okay. It's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine because we're all part of some bigger story or whatever. And it's like, no, it's not fine. That some of us are going through this. And I just, I got to participate in this thing for um, Ta-Nehisi Coates between the world and me special event thing that's happening for HBO, right? So they're, they're doing this event and inside of it, there's a deep dive into the, the killing of um, Prince Jones. And then there's a deep dive into Brianna Taylor's killing and her mother, Brianna's mother tells the story of that night and the next day waiting to find out what had happened to her child. And i I felt like I had already done, you know, I, I had gr- grieved for Brianna. I had been angry for Brianna. I had um, done action for Brianna, but sitting and listening to that story be told, it felt so important to my grieving process um, to mm-hmm. really sit with it. and and I have been finding myself doing that regularly, where, I save, you know, I've set aside some time and I save some time and I'm like, this is some time where I'm going to let myself actually let in, not just the news, not just the sensational aspects of this, right. But to let in the, and share in someone's grief related to this. When I think about like, how can my spirit stand beside the spirit of this mother and take on some of the burden of this, this impossible weight and i think that's what uh. carrie Mae weems was asking y'all to do is like stand with these people come stand your spirit yes. next to their spirit across space and time because this burden belongs to all of us and it should it should be so heavy for all of us that we don't let it fall on us anymore and how do we how do we actually change our responsibility to these these children of ours all of us yeah. are someone's children. So, yes,
0: yeah. Yes. I would like to uplift Tanahasi's um, uh, Vanity Fair. Yeah, yeah. September Vanity Fair, which I think you can get online. Yeah, you can. And that. you can, if you look at that uh, that that issue is is everything amazing. about that issue. Is everything about it is yeah. extraordinary. But you you will get to read Rihanna Taylor's mom's.
1: Yeah, it's in there.
0: Story and version of events, and it 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 is as you say. Yeah, um, it is. It is something to read and also to really understand a little bit more who Brianna Taylor um, was to her family, to her people. To yes, all of that.
1: Um, I love you. Thank you for that sharing and the diving in there. Um. I have more questions for this. <laughs> you know, I when Boncole shares about land, my question is always, who in your circle or family, or in your relationships, who actually owns land? Like land that is, you know, enough land, enough acreage that you could actually farm the land? And and what does ownership actually mean? in that scenario right like who owns Mm -hmm. land um who can make a claim on some land and to what land do you imagine going if you have to leave your current home i in my dream scenario everyone has a coherent answer to this (laughs) everyone has a plan of at least one place that they know that they could go to and they would be received and welcomed and that they could become a part of the body that works that land and feeds that land and is fed by that land. But I want to make sure everyone is getting in that kind of re- right relationship to land. Yeah. Yeah. And Bancole's love shows up with sharing that he has this land and that he's willing to share this land. And Lauren Olamina's love shows up in her sharing of hyper empathy. And it wants it begs the question to me, what is it that you only share as an offer of love? Mm. What is the information? What is the vulnerable thing? What is your abundance? What is it that you only offer as an extension of your trust to someone that you love? Mm. And I love that their offers are so different, but for each of them, it's equally like, this is what I have. This is, Yes you know, my gift, my burden and what I want to offer you. Um, I said this earlier, but, you know, I think the pace of their love, and I think often the pace of crisis love is very lesbianic. (laughs) You know, it's like we met, we loved each other, (laughs) we moved in, like, you know, here we go. Right. Um, and I'm like, you know, eventually the rest of y'all will catch up that once you know, you know, and like just get it moving and, you know, um, You know, you get in in quickly and sometimes you get out quickly, but you you got to really know what you knew. (laughs) So, um, but the question I have, which is kind of a, I don't know, it's a sweethearty question, but how do you behave when you know someone is your person? How do you behave once you know someone is your person? Because that that aspect, I don't think it'll change that much in the apocalypse. If anything, it'll speed up a little bit. But what do you know about yourself and love? And can you imagine yourself in love in the apocalyptic conditions that are ahead of us? What's one thing about you, Toshi, that's like when you know someone's your person that you behave? Ooh, how does that show?
0: When when I know someone's my person, I'm like kind of an open book. I kind of, you know, yeah, I kind of like uh, like open up the door. And the other thing is, um, I start writing songs for them. I write, like right, <laughs> like it's just like it's really easy. I just you know, yep. there's some people that that I have written a lot of songs for, quick, like that, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and that. continue to do so. But I start I hear music. I um, mm. I hear music, and I, I and it's always right. I love that. This yeah, I, mm-hmm. I've never heard music for a foul person. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just have to say that's a tune. You know, just some relationships mm-hmm. I've been in, and I and 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 they weren't good. And I'm like, you know what? I never wrote a damn song for that.
1: You ain't getting no songs though. <laughs> you ain't then getting you ain't no, song, got no songs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, that's beautiful. This
0: could be. That, I write songs like about friends and everything, but yeah. I but yeah, I hear a lot of music.
1: I love that. Um, my mine is a little similar, which is I write poems. So I'm like, hmm. well, if I'm falling, if it's my person, and if it's, I'm like, poetry starts like, like it's the only way I can really function or speak or communicate. It's just like it's all poetics, and the thing I don't notice, but that also happens, but my friends notice, <laughs> is I start just randomly sing-songing. So. <laughs> I'm, i'll be in the kitchen cooking and i' am just like mm-hmm, la-la, la-la. Uh, right and uh, they're like oh dear are we is is it time is something happening who is it like my friends know they know by now and <sighs> um and that sing songing is a sign of my joy so
0: you mm. know whenever i'm
1: whenever things are good songs come out and when they're not the songs stop. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <That's enough. laughs> I'm like, mm, I, you ain't getting no socks. <laughs> I also
0: want to, I want to yeah. uplift my love affair with my friends because yes. so I think like so many of my friends are my persons and I, Absolutely. I get very joyful about my relationships with my friends and, um, uh, yeah. And they, you know, I think. Even thinking about Alexis Pauline Gums, mm-hmm. like I, I can't. I probably tell somebody to do, read or follow Alexis every day. Every day, it's just <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and that's a person that whose work I hear music around that's all right. the time. I'm like, I can sing that. I can sing yeah. that. I have to hold myself back to not be singing all over her work. But mm. um, I don't know if you I do. think that. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. but. Oh, you know, the other thing I do, like, is but other dim- dimensions of my being expand.
1: Yeah, So Ooh, I, yes. I'm i
0: kind of a little bit less grounded. You know, I kind of like am, oh, you yeah. know, those how of cartoons would show somebody floating. and they're, like, they're floating. I float a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely float. You know, I think... Um, with both friends and romance and just community that the thing that becomes most important to me is our honesty with each other and Mm -hmm. that that's how I have known, you know, that's how my truest friends, you know, the wheat has separated from the chaff in that. And I have known because I have given people something true. And if they have not handled it as a precious thing, Um, then that has fallen away. Those relationships have fallen Mm. away, people who can't be with me and my whole true self and relationships that can't handle all of me fall away. And that behavior of like, look, this is everything and it's all coming with me, (laughs) you know, which I think that's what Olamina shows us is like, here is my people, my beliefs, my values, my dignity, my vulnerability, my hyper-empathy, We're all going to come to that land with you or none Mm. of us. And Mm. that's love. So uh, the last two questions I have here, one, what does commitment mean during apocalypse? What does commitment mean in apocalyptic conditions? You know, I think there's always the mythology of like, we're going to get married and then we're going to be together forever until the end of time. And then, when change picks up its pace and like right now we're in that period where we're like, we're making commitments to each other in the age of COVID and Mm. in the age of climate catastrophe and in the age of authoritarian fascist leadership gone wild. We make commitments to each other when people are trying to shut down borders and when people are being separated and deported and, you know, And this, these conditions, even again, I keep saying this, but even if this new administration comes in and like, you know, really moves some things very quickly, we still have consequences of apocalypse that are coming to us. So how do we shape our commitments to meet this time? You know, Mm. and the last question is, who are your people? Who are your people? Who are the people that you're like, we're in this, we're rolling together, our values align, and I'm not leaving them behind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: That's our chapter 22. Can, chapter twenty twos. I got a short chapter. Yeah.
1: But yeah. Thick, short it's and thick, just so... like me. Hey! Hey! <laughs> ah. Come on. You know? Come on. So yes. um, I'm excited that we're going to have the good music in this and all the things. So Octavia's Parables is hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown, produced by Kat Aaron, show art by Krista Franklin.
0: And the music of Octavia Parables is uh, We See the Stars, written and performed by Toshi Regan, There's a New World Coming, written by Bernie Johnson Regan with additional lyrics by Toshi Regan. Performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, the opera with lead vocals by Shayna Small, and I'm gonna add God Is Change, um, written and performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan, and I'm gonna add uh, a love a love song in um, in battle. Um, I wrote for one of our dear friends that's on Spiritland, and it's called We Got No Worries Here. Um, Written and performed by who? Toshi Toshi Regan. Regan. Yay.
1: (laughs) Our cup is so full. (laughs) Okay. Um, I love you. I love life. I love all the things. And we all love all of our listeners. So y'all can find us on Twitter at any time at O Parables. You can sustain this show um, by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash O Parables. And we will see you next week. Peace. Peace. There's a new world
0: coming every time.